portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. Listeners, please be advised. The power of God will take you out of your own plans and put you into the plan of God. Smith Wigglesworth. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. And this was night and day different than anything I had ever experienced. I was humbled and even embarrassed. I really felt God knocking on the door. You know, I was an atheist and I thought that science was the right way and anything else was just silly. It was just, you know, like fairy tale really is what I thought. God had a plan for my life. And I believe when we lose our life is when we find the life that God wants us to have. Hola, shalom, and jambo. I am your hardworking host, Dan Henderson. Thank you so much for listening. This episode will feature an incredible story from a brother named Lowell. Today, Lowell looks just like any other middle-aged responsible family man, but he tells us all about his tumultuous past of drug dealing, incarceration, even joining a white power prison gang. His transformation is really incredible. We'll also learn all about Smith Wigglesworth in our segment, The Heavyweights of the Faith. Smith not only has a really fun last name, Wigglesworth, but his story is practically unheard of. Going from being a humble, hardworking plumber to a globe-trotting evangelist and a bona fide miracle man. Well, I know you're busy out there, so let's get right to it. My birth mother abandoned me in a motel room when I was three years old. One of the earliest indicators that something wasn't right was as soon as I was adopted, one of the first things that I did was threaten my sisters with a blunt pocket knife. I graduated from high school and joined the army. In terms of my life as a soldier, things were going well, but my heart wasn't changed. I was involved in drug use and began to sell drugs and eventually was charged by the military, 16 felony counts. And so I went AWOL and uh, purchased a plane ticket to Los Angeles, California. Met some men there who were doing robberies. We began to, to rob places from Los Angeles, California, state by state, all the way to, to Texas, where I was arrested and I was sentenced to 17 years in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. The first weekend that I was in prison, there was a riot. I'm looking and seeing that guys are getting stabbed. I found myself living in a world in which you have to take sides. I didn't have the hope of the gospel. And so I was beginning to become more and more self-consciously racist. I saw no other option available to me and that was eventually what led me into a white supremacist prison gang. Every tattoo that I have, it has some sort of connection to the gang. This is actually a swastika made out of sickles. This is what remains of a Ku Klux Klansman and a burning cross. Uh, I've been having these removed, but uh, that's what remains of them at this point. So I was transferred then to a maximum security prison. It was what was called a gladiator farm. When I arrived on that unit, there was already a war going on between blacks and whites. My next door neighbor yelled at me, I know you have a shank. I didn't have a shank. I didn't have anything at that point, but I thought I better get one. And so I did. 
There came a point when the door to my cell and his cell were opened at the same time. It wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. I came at him with a shank, and thankfully, a guard was able to step in between us just in time. But I was put in solitary confinement as a result of that. I was confirmed as a gang member. What, what that means is they, they have the evidence of my tattoos, for one thing. They have the evidence of, of what I've done, and so they're able then to confine me essentially indefinitely. One night I was scanning the radio dial and the Lord used uh, a radio program called Here Comes the Light to shine the light of the gospel into my heart. And the thing that he dealt with in my heart first and foremost was the issue of racism. And there was a moment of total despair when I said, I can't do this. And in that moment of despair, I realized I'm going to hell. And suddenly something changed within me. The Lord did it. And I simply fell on my knees before him. And I said, Lord, change my heart. Take this away and help me to follow you. What I'd later find out, of course, was that the, the only group in prison that doesn't segregate according to race were the Christians. I was still in solitary confinement which is where I needed to be. The Lord used it to mature me and grow me so that when I did get out of solitary confinement and go back to general population, I was prepared for the hardships that would come. I spent 10 years in solitary confinement, but I used the time to read, to study. The Lord was growing me in my fellowship with Him. It wasn't wasted time. I simply began to read the Bible for myself. And I started listening to the radio, so I listened to Christian programs on the radio, and I wanted to understand the Bible better. And that's, of course, where I came across a program called Renewing Your Mind. Though I was in that cell, the Lord was there with me. Despite all the wickedness of my heart and all the evil things that I had done, all the people that I had hurt, especially my own family, He set me free. My name is Lowell Ivey, and I was set free in prison by God's grace. Life is hard, but you don't have to go it alone. If you need prayer, encouragement, or just someone to talk to, message our host, Dan Henderson, confidentially at thinktwicetv.com. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Come see us at thinktwicetv.com. Ladies and gentlemen, enter the ring with us as we explore the lives of average people who became extraordinary leaders through the power and presence of God. Welcome to Heavyweights of the Faith, brief biographies of great believers who changed the world. Smith Wigglesworth was born in 1859 in abject poverty, but he had a caring mother, father, and Christian grandmother who molded him in mind and spirit. One day in church while singing about Jesus, he felt drawn closer to God, and that changed his life forever. His mother became his first convert for Christ. Even though he began work with his father at age six in the fields, his attitude towards work was always positive. The young Smith influenced by his father, who gloried at the opportunity to work hard to feed his four children. He moved to Liverpool at age 20, 
He moved there putting his skill of plumbing to work. He spent a salary to feed and clothe poor children with whom he empathized. This was his first ministry, and he brought hundreds of them to know Jesus. Not being able to read was a limitation that Smith overcame with the help of Mary Featherstone, who he married in 1882. Together, he and Mary had five children, four boys and one girl who all entered the ministry when they grew up. Together, they opened a mission. In the early days, Mary preached because Smith, just only learning to read, was limited by a slight stuttering problem. When baptized in the Holy Spirit, he was delivered and anointed to preach. Mary could not believe it was her husband preaching when he first ministered. Up until then, his role in the ministry had been intercession for his wife and meeting their financial needs. Smith devoted himself to reading the Bible and carrying New Testaments wherever he went. His sermons were full of God's Word and merely punctuated Smith's explanation. Smith believed in the power in the name of Jesus. He prayed and fasted frequently and surrounded himself with people who he knew loved to pray. There were times, however, when he wished that the intercessors would pray differently as they would have expected people to die and they often petitioned God to confront their survivor relatives. Smith, however, wanted people to petition to God to deliver and extend life, and so he quietly prayed for God to shut them up. On many occasions, he encouraged his prayer team to say only the name of Jesus. Repeating the name of Jesus bore much fruit, and Smith confessed to actually seeing Jesus on many occasions. It was at this point that the breakthrough often came, and the sick were healed and the demon possessed set free. Smith believed in the use of anointing oil, and many were healed instantly when anointed. One miraculous case was of a Mrs. Clark, who was on her deathbed when he anointed her with oil and prayed, but nothing happened until Jesus came into the room. Both she and Wigglesworth saw Jesus, and it was at that point that she was healed. Miss Clark gave her life to Jesus and went on to become a minister of the gospel. Smith and Mary had a pact, but they did not let any medicine into their house as they preferred to trust God for all his healing needs. This faith was tested when Smith felt ill, and despite much prayer and intercession, healing seemed elusive. He left it up to Mary to decide what to do. Fearing for the life of her husband, and what authorities may say if no doctors were called for, she called for the doctor. The doctors declared Smith as good as a corpse, and he said there was nothing he could do to help. A praying woman and another young man, however, came along and fervently prayed for him. Smith was healed at that moment and rose up, dressed and went out to work. Later recounting this incident, Smith said, Well, the corpse has been going up and down the world preaching the gospel these many years since that time. By his faith, this man laid the foundation of the growth of the Holy Spirit in the modern church, yet he understood the vulnerabilities and poked fun at himself all along the way. The miracles that he performed were long-lasting and evidenced by the testimonies of numerous people whose lives he touched. Thousands of healing miracles are documented and many were raised from the dead. Among those healed were persons who had not confessed Jesus as Lord. For this Smith was happy, but his joy would have been greater if they had received their salvation. Salvation to him was the greatest miracle of all. Special thanks to Inspirational Christians for use of their written biographies. Please visit inspirationalchristians.org for more biographies and articles. Don't keep a good thing to yourself. Share this with your friends, post it on social media, or go old school and tell them about it in person. Smith led a powerful life of faith and effectiveness that even rivals some of the heroes of the Bible. His book, Ever Increasing Faith, is a legitimate Christian classic. I highly recommend that one. 
He truly was a pioneer of the full gospel movement. What strikes me most about this is that oftentimes a legitimate move of God it does not always run in a neat, tidy pattern. Smith was an unassuming, uneducated, and unorthodox man who was used mightily to glorify God. Now, getting back to Lowell's story, it reminded me of a time when I was at one of my son's soccer games. I noticed an older man with a huge white powered tattoos with swastikas on his forearms. To be honest, I was in the process of judging the guy when his beautiful granddaughter jumped into his arms. He picked her up, they exchanged hugs and kisses and I love yous, but the best part was she was black. Love changes people. Don't give up on this world. Hey, well that does it for this episode. As always, I'd like to leave you with a Bible verse. This is from Romans 16, 17. I urge you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned.